Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. Today is uh, the 22nd of October, Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And uh, we have, let's see here, a couple things. I got a bandana on today. It's a U.S. Air Force bandana, which came in the mail from uh, Frank and Jan Harth, who are in Aurora, Illinois. And I want to thank them for that. It's the different type of bandana. Instead of folding it in half, it, it comes already folded and made, so it fits perfectly as far as you know the symbolism and everything. So you can actually see the uh, Air Force logo on that. And uh, So I appreciate that very much, and I want to thank them. And uh, let's see here, we have um, a couple of visitors coming all the way from Maryland today. It's Jeff and Sherry Coates, and we thank you so very much for making the effort coming all the way down here, and uh, we hope that you'll have a wonderful vacation while you're here, and we hope that you just have a great service today as well. Thank you for making this effort. And let's see here. I'm not going to highlight anybody specifically this week, because um, uh, just because I have two people to mention, though. These are two people that have been a great help to the ministry, and uh, one of them, I cannot give his name. I can't say anything about him because he's very personal uh, in his nature, but I can say as much as he lives in Great Yarmouth, England, and uh, he does a great deal for this ministry, and uh, it was his birthday this week, and so I want to wish him a happy birthday, and I also have one other birthday, which is today which is the person that has also done a ton up for this ministry, is our friend Sergio Voitenko, who is over in Nazareth, Israel, right now monitoring, making sure that everything is working as far as the camera and as far as the sound equipment. And really wonderful guy, and uh, we're so thankful to have him as a part of this ministry, even though he's not with us now. He's all the way across the ocean, but uh, we send our love to both of these people. Great Yarmouth, England, and Sergio over in uh, Nazareth. And happy birthday to you both. And I got a report from, uh, I could put it in the Islam section, but I'm just going to bring it up at the beginning of the uh, update today, is the fighting that was going on in the uh, islands in the Philippines. Iligan City, I brought it up several times, Pastor Dennis, who was over there, and many people have been very gracious to Pastor Dennis. They've sent money to him, they've supported his ministry, and he is really thankful for that. But he has a final report because the Muslim insurgency has been completely wiped out. And so here's what he said. No further civilian casualties, so all hostages were released unharmed except for the mental anguish. The final toll for the Marines killed was 163, and there were 854 terrorists killed, 11 captured. He says, thank you, the superior word, church members. And that means all people online that have supported him, that have done a great thing helping him out. He said, you have certainly had a huge impact on the outcome of those Bibles and Psalm 91 prayer cards. We'll now have the opportunity to do a work in the hearts and lives of those Marines who are grateful to be alive. He said, by the way, there were 1,400 Marines wounded, many of them who are still hospitalized in Iligan and Cayagan de Oro. So there is still an ongoing ministry and will be until they are well enough to travel home to Manila. Our little band of ex-Marines, the Magnificent Seven, we call them, who we have gotten to know so well, are remaining as a bodyguard detail in Iligan to collect and return high-profile dignitaries to the airport and to protect them while they are here. 
so our ministry to them will continue at least until Jesus comes for us. They have all accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Bless God. So that's pretty wonderful stuff, and we want to really thank uh, Pastor D for having uh, told us all about these things. His wife uh, actually went behind the lines to help these Marines while they were there. And, you know, he's he's obviously blonde-haired. He's going to get shot immediately if he was to do that, but she could do this. And so she went back there and uh, uh, helped, I mean, right in the place where these people were fighting. So uh, they're really doing a wonderful job, and uh, we're very grateful for their ministry. And we're very happy for the news that the insurgency is over. So praise the Lord. Okay, our first category is Israel. And let's see here, foreign policy. I don't know if you heard this. I'll just give you the title. U.S. is to pull out of UNESCO again, something they did in the past. I think it was during Reagan's time. And it says the U.S. plans to formally withdraw from UNESCO to save money. That's a Trump idea. And protest what it views as the organization's anti-Israel bias. There's no uh, perceiving there. That is actually what it is. They are anti-Israel right to the very core of them. And so it's good that we're making this uh, decision. From Behold Israel, following suit on that, Netanyahu commends Trump's decision on Iran, confirms Israel's withdrawal from UNESCO. Prime Minister Netanyahu addressed Trump's important decision on Iran, which was made this past week. You know, he pulled out of the treaty or at least deferred it down to Congress to tell them to uh, take whatever action is coming and uh, confirming Israel's withdrawal from UNESCO. Netanyahu commended President Trump and the United States for standing up for Israel in the United Nations after it officially announced its withdrawal from UNESCO last week as well as Trump's decision to not recertify the Iran nuclear deal. President Trump reiterated his admin's stance on the nuclear deal as one of the worst and most one-sided transactions the U.S. has ever entered into. And he's absolutely right about that. We brought that up in update after update when our previous crummy president was in, how bad this was, and everybody's applauding it as if it was effective in some way, and we know it's not. Um, he went on stating on Iran's ongoing violation of the deal and advances in its missile program, something we've been continuously highlighting. We cannot and will not make this certification. We will not continue down a path whose predictable conclusion is more violence, more terror, and the very real threat of Iran's nuclear breakout. I am directing my administration to work closely with Congress and our allies to address the deal's many serious flaws so that the Iranian regime can never threaten the world with nuclear weapons. Netanyahu said it is completely clear if one examines this agreement, if nothing changes, that Iran will have an arsenal of nuclear weapons within a few years. Guaranteed. We went through the same thing with North Korea. They said we've got a great deal. And what happened? We modeled this treaty after the one from Korea. Well, that didn't work. Why would we think this would work? It's insane, okay? So uh, let's see here. It creates a sure path to the production of an enrichment system that could quickly bring Iran to dozens of atomic bombs and even more. Therefore, the decision is very important. This is all Trump speaking. On UNESCO, the prime minister confirmed that Israel is withdrawing from UNESCO following the United States. He reported, I instructed the foreign ministry to prepare for Israel's withdrawal from UNESCO, which has become a platform for delusional, anti-Israeli, and in effect, anti-Semitic decisions. We hope that the organization will change its ways, but we are not pinning hopes on this. Therefore, my directive to leave it stands and we will move forward to carry it out. 
So good job on both of these leaders' uh, decisions there, getting out of UNESCO and also standing against this terrible thing we had going on with Iran, and which will continue to go on. Why? Because we have this horrifying Congress, which is not doing anything. There, you know, I, I am in. I, I probably will upset somebody on this, but. I am in agreement with what Bannon is doing right now, uniting against these rhino Republicans. If we lose the Republican majority in the House and Senate, it won't make any difference anyway because they're they're completely sided with the left. They're not doing anything. We need qualified people in there that are going to go in and make changes, not continue to pass bills that just continue to increase our taxes, that continue to allow insanity to prevail in you know, our nation's capital. So uh, I talked to one of our people here a week ago. I asked her, please run for Congress in opposition to the guy we have because he's done nothing. Well, I don't know if you're going to do that or not, but uh, if you do, you're, uh, we'd support you 100%. She's back there hiding right now. Anyway, um, I would I would vote for her in a second, but we have uh, hopefully somebody will replace him. We'll get people in there that will stand for conservative values. From Globes today, the IMF also sees pricing rise 2% in Israel this year after three years of negative inflation. Good job. The IMF has raised the growth forecast for Israel's economy in its latest report about the world economy. The IMF sees a 3.1% GDP growth in 2017 and 3.4% GDP growth in 2018. In its April report, the IMF predicted 3% GDP for both 2017 and 2018. In its latest report, the IMF economists predict 0.2% inflation in Israel this year and 0.5% in 2018, thus ending three consecutive years of negative inflation between 2014 and 2016. Good job, Israel. Okay. From the Jerusalem Post, new UNRWA textbooks for Palestinians demonize Israel and the Jews. This is United Nations supporting these things. They are their textbooks and they're demonizing Israel and the Jews. New textbooks and UNRWA schools in Gaza and the West Bank display extreme anti-Israel and anti-Jewish sentiments and no hope for peace in the region. Now, why would they be trying to make these peace agreements with people that are teaching their children to destroy the Jews? It makes no sense. Why would we continue to fund the United Nations when they're actively promoting this? The research examined some 150 textbooks of the various school subjects taught in grades 1 through 12. 75, that's one half, 75 of the books checked with published in the years 2016 and 2017 as part of the new project initiated by the Fakistinian Authority, which provides its curriculum to UNRWA schools. The contents of the books were analyzed focusing on the depiction of the Jewish-Israeli other, which revealed three fundamentals delegitimization, demonization, and indoctrination to violent struggle instead of peace. According to the school books, Jews have no rights whatsoever in the region, but only greedy ambitions. The books also say that Jews have no holy places there. The Western Wall in Jerusalem, the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron, and Rachel's tomb in Bethlehem are all presented as Muslim holy places threatened by Jews. Cities established by Jews, including Tel Aviv, are sometimes not even shown on maps. Israel is not a legitimate state, according to the school books studied at UNRWA schools. The name Israel does not appear at all on the map. 
in complete erasure of the name of Israel from the newly published Fakistinian Authority school books is a disturbing development, as are the numerous demonizing descriptions of the Jewish state and its replacement by the expression Zionist occupation. So there's a complete bias against Israel. This is being funded by the UN. Why would we continue to support these people? It's obviously a different section of the UN, but we had to just cut them off entirely. From Christian News today, let's see here. Oh, I want to thank everybody. Wow, I mentioned Isaac last week. I highlighted him over in Africa, and he does work for the people of Africa, and I highlighted the things he does. One of the things that uh, I had made a petition for was to support him. He's trying to build a school over there. He has a GoFundMe page, and as of yesterday, $680 had been uh, donated to that, and he's got a ways to go. It's $9,000, but if you can help him out, I'm so thankful for everybody that sent him money. Other people contacted him directly. I don't know, um, you know if they're going to send him money directly for other issues because he has other things he's doing. But I very much appreciate that. This, this man does a great, great thing for the Lord as far as serving the Lord, as far as advancing you know, people's knowledge of the Bible, of uh, just acting in a Christ-like manner. He is the guy. So uh, thank you all for, for your help in that regard. And then uh, let's see here from Yahoo. This is a really scary article here. It kind of goes along with something I brought up a week or two ago. Collective consciousness to replace God, says author Dan Brown. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, humanity no longer needs God. This is the guy that wrote the Da Vinci Code, right? There you go. He says they no longer need God, but may, with the help of artificial intelligence, develop a new form of collective consciousness that fulfills the role of religion. Brown was promoting his new novel, Origin, the fifth outing for Harvard symbology professor Robert Langdon, the protagonist of The Da Vinci Code. Origin was inspired by the question, will God survive science? Are we naive today to believe that the gods of the present will survive and be here in 100 years? This is the same thing that every other Voltaire, yeah, all of these people that come in, they say God is dead. You know what? And He's still on the throne, and they're all in their graves, and this guy will be as well. But this is the, the typical people railing against God. He recognized that his views may not be welcomed by clerics, well, duh, but called for, listen to this, greater harmony between the world's great religions and those who profess no faith. As Paul asks in, uh, what is it, Corinthians, one of the Corinthians books, he says, what accord does Christ have with Belial? How can you have you know, a, a greater sense of uh, harmony between people that don't agree with you at all. You believe that there is a God on the throne. He sent his son to die for you. And I need to have harmony with you who doesn't believe in any God at all, as if we're just supposed to set that aside. And then, of course, you have the issue of Islam. He wants all of these religions to come together. Islam's principal tenet, the principal tenet of Islam is that God has no partner. He's taken no partner into himself. That's known as the sin of shirk. So to say that God has a son, meaning Jesus Christ, is the highest blasphemy in Islam, okay? Now, in Christianity, the only principle of Christianity that makes it Christianity is that God has sent his son into the world. How can you have fellowship with such contrasting views? They say that that is the highest blasphemy. We say that this is the foundation of the faith is Jesus Christ, the son of God. So he's, he's looking for something that cannot happen. It cannot happen, and he's living in a dream world. He goes on, he says, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all share a gospel loosely. 
They don't share anything. We're going to see that in the Day of Atonement finishing uh, our sermon today. We share nothing in the form of a gospel loosely. Okay, Our roots are from Judaism. I admit that. But as far as our faith, they are completely separate. And as I said, we will conclude the Yom Kippur. Uh, it's Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Part 3. Right, That's today. I hope that everybody will watch it. You'll see the differences between what the Jews decided and what the, uh, the uh, people that did decide to follow Christ and where it's depicted in the Bible. But we have no fellowship, zero, with Islam. There's not even a, a, a you know a historical connection. It's just an anti-Christ religion. Kumbaya. So kumbaya, that's what he's asking for. Brown said technological change in the development of artificial intelligence would transfer the concept of the divine. Okay, we will start to find our spiritual experiences through our interconnections with each other forecasting the emergence of some form of global consciousness that we perceive and that becomes our divine. Our need for that exterior God that sits up there and judges us will diminish and eventually disappear. I hate to tell you, but uh, this book, this word stands forever, and it says otherwise. So, you know, I just, people people are dreamers, and, uh, you know, if you want to dream about Jesus, that's pretty wonderful. But if you want to dream these other things, it's only going to lead to a very sad end. Fiction writer, too, yeah, nonetheless. Um, Diaspora News. Wow, this is just the most incredible article. <laughs> it's it's an, uh, Diaspora News is an uh, African news service, Okay. Girls wearing miniskirts made me convert to Islam, says a bishop. This is a bishop in Africa, yes. A Homa Bay, which is a place in Africa, Homa Bay bishop who converted to Islam claims it is women wearing miniskirts to his church that drove him to do so. Bishop Charles Okwani, formerly of God's Call Church of East Africa, said he couldn't stand how women indecently wore clothes to his church. He has now converted his church to a mosque. Speaking to the Nairobian, he claimed that unlike Muslims, most Christians are immoral and pretenders. He felt that women who dress indecently tempt the clergy. Well, you know what? The Catholic Church isn't very tempted by that, are they? Instead, they're tempted after men. I mean, this is the human heart we're looking at. Yeah, that's why I'm saying boys. Anyway, this is the human heart that we're looking at. This guy has made a fundamental error in his thinking, and it, it, it gets worse. It was unfortunate that some people felt I was wrong when I discouraged indecent dressing, yet they were the ones who were going against the will of God. What is he doing by going to Islam? He's going against the will of God. This guy is a completely unclear thinker. On September 26, Okwani converted to Islam and was joined by 23 members from his church. So this guy was not only mentally minuscule himself, the people that he taught were not taught the, exactly what the Bible says, you know, when you, we're starting the pastoral epistles next week in our daily devotionals, okay? If you want to learn what Paul says about uh, what pastors are to do, it's 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Start reading the Superior Word website every day, and I will be posting that. We're finishing up two uh, Thessalonians right now. But there are certain things that are required of people that are put in pastoral positions, and one of them is to train the people below him. Obviously, you didn't do that if 23 of those people said, we're going to convert to Islam with you. So we'll go on. He said, the mosque has a population of 63 people after 30 Muslims in the Kagan ward decided to register membership. Okwani now intends to seek, listen to this, theological training matters pertaining to Islamic religion so that he continues preaching the word of God. 
you talk about a person that is confused. He's leaving a church where he's supposed to have been preaching the word of God in order to make a mosque, and now he's going to go seek theological training in order to preach the word of God. He goes on, I will go for a theological training on Islamic religion to enable me to preach the word of God in Islam. I had never joined a theology class but this will be my starting point. So now he's looking to be theologically trained in something that has nothing to do with what he was supposed to be theologically trained in, which is Christianity, which he was supposedly telling people. This is why you have to be careful about the church that you go to because there are so many people out there that have no knowledge of the word of God at all. Zero. They get up there and they, they, you can buy sermons online. Okay. Or you can just go and buy a book full of sermons. All you need to do is put in your life application and you've got a sermon. Your work is done Monday morning at nine o'clock if you started at eight o'clock. If you get up later, like Sergio and Rhoda do, then your work will be done at 10 o'clock, right? But you spend an hour putting information into a sermon that somebody else wrote and then you have the rest of the week to go play. That's not how you conduct a church. And I have to tell you that out of all of the churches that I attended, most of them, the preachers, got their sermons online or they got them out of books. And I was thoroughly surprised when I heard that because I had no idea that you could do that. And I thought, what? How do you, how do you get up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to honor you by buying a sermon that somebody else has written and then just plug in a little bit of life application and be done? But that's what most churches do. They don't write their own sermons. They have no idea about theological training at all. Or if they do, it's some goofy doctrine, which they shouldn't be teaching anyway. So let's go on. I don't want to badmouth too many people because there are many good pastors and preachers out there. But there are a lot of people that just do it for a job, nine to five, and that's the end of it. All right. From NPR, Trump to value voters. In America, we don't worship government, we worship God. Something he brought up in the past, he brought it up again this week. President Trump spoke to one of the most faithful blocks of his base, telling attendees of this year's Values Voter Summit that in America, we don't worship government, we worship God. Trump was the first sitting president to address the annual gathering of Christian conservatives, and while he has had trouble enacting some of his campaign promises legislatively so far in his term, he has ticked off many boxes with the evangelical voters who helped propel him into office. Before I finish this article, did anybody hear the disgraceful speech that our previous president gave yes. this week? President yes. Bush? I, I, was, I was literally appalled at, you know... When he first was elected, I thought, this is a great president. He is going to do great things. He never vetoed a thing. He let the left run all over him. People bad-mouthed him, and now he's having dinner with those same people. He, he, he is a man of no convictions. He is a man that does not have conservative values. And in my opinion, he ranks among the worst of our president in our history because he was elected as a Republican and he completely caved to the left. So he is, he is as bad as Bill Clinton and he's as bad as Barack Obama. He is. He is the rhino. Anyway, I didn't mean to divert from that, but I'm very disappointed. And who could have been one of the greatest presidents turned out to be one of our worst Going on, we know that it is the family and church, this is Trump, not government officials who know how to best create strong and loving communities. Good job. We're taking a little different route than we had hoped because getting Congress, as I mentioned earlier, they forgot what their pledges were, Trump said. So we're going a little different route. But you know what? In the end, it's going to be just as effective and maybe it'll be even better. He is, uh, in my opinion, he's doing the right things. He's hemmed in from all sides, and yet he is getting things done. I will continue to pray that he moves the embassy to Jerusalem. 
He's promised to do it, and if he doesn't, that will be one bad mark on his. Uh, but I don't think he's going to let that happen. He's got four years to get it done. If he gets reelected, he's got a couple more. But I don't think he's going to let that happen. I think he's going to make that change before he's out. Okay, let's pray for that. From Islam Today, wow, a great article. A little long, but very good. This is from Asia Times. Russia emerging as a new player in the Middle East balance of power. Okay, now, once again, I say it week after week. They're in charge of what's coming against Israel, according to the Bible. You've got Russia, you've got um, Iran, you've got Libya, you've got um, Turkey. And when I say Iran, I'm talking about Persia because it's the new Persian Empire, basically. These people that are falling under Iran. You've got all these countries that are coming against Israel. And who is the player behind it? The, the, the lead guy in Gog Magog. Here we go. Remarkably little comment attended the strangest outcome of Saudi King Salman's four-day visit to Moscow in early October. Namely, Russia's sale of its top-of-the-line S-400 air defense system to a country whose relations with Russia have been hostile until recently. Now, what did he sell to Iran recently? He sold the S-300 system. Remember that? It was last year. Everybody was going crazy because he's selling these. He sold the better one to Saudi Arabia, who he's had no relationship with at all. Why would he do that? Listen. Okay, here we go. He says, um, it was strange because Iran habitually characterized as Russia's ally was permitted to purchase a much older and inferior Russian system, the S-300. Not only the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, but also Russia's Cold War adversary, Turkey, will buy the far more advanced S-400. The S-400 is highly effective against the sort of cruise and ballistic missiles that Iran will be able to field during the next several years. Russia's carefully calibrated weapons sales to the opposing Persian Gulf powers follows a pattern established by China over the past decade. China sells missiles to Iran as well as to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, KSA. But it sells more advanced missiles to the Saudis because the Saudis are the weaker of the two adversaries and China wants to maintain the balance of power. Peace can be achieved only by hegemony or by balance of power, Henry Kissinger likes to say. Powers that cannot exercise hegemony attempt to maintain a balance that contains the ambitions of prospective rivals. The classic example is Britain, which allied with Prussia against France through the Napoleonic Wars, and then allied with France against Germany at the turn of the century. Britain could not aspire to be a hegemon on the European continent. So it's sought to prevent either France or Germany from dominating. Russia does not have the wherewithal to replace the United States as a regional hegemon. But it does have a considerable means to affect the balance of power. On October 12th, Russian Foreign Minister Bodenov offered to mediate between Iran and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, but talk is cheap. Installation of the top-of-the-line weapon system is not the U.S. belatedly offered the Saudis its THAAD system. After they made that sale to the Saudis, Russia, we went in and we said, well, we've got a system we want to sell you. It's too late. Probably is a rushed response to the Russian offer. The S-400 is simply a better system and gives the Saudis an important edge in any prospective conflict with Iran. Another Russian attempt to influence the balance of power is evident in Russia's Defense Minister Shoigu's October 15th visit to Jerusalem, the first since Shoigu took office in 
2012. The ceasefire plans of Russia air power, Iranian Revolutionary Guard units supported by Hezbollah, as well as Pakistani and Afghan Shiite mercenaries have become the dominant power in Syria, changing the regional balance of power to Israel's disadvantage. Israel reportedly demanded a buffer zone for Iranian forces of at least 60 kilometers from its border last summer. Russia refused. Now, just so you know, I read something yesterday that Russia has allowed a 45-kilometer buffer zone. It's not what Israel wants or needs, but they have done that as of, I think it was yesterday. Washington also signed on to the Syrian ceasefire, leaving Israel the odd man out. Israel is now threatening to attack preemptively. Elliot Abrams, an official in the admin of George W. Bush, wrote last week, Israel has struck sites in Syria 100 times in the last five years. They've done it at least three times in the past three days. All right. Bombing when it saw an Iranian effort to move high-tech material to Hezbollah in Lebanon. Last month, Israel bombed the so-called Scientific Studies and Research Center in Masyaf, a city in central Syria a military site where the chemical weapons and precision bombs were said to be produced. Well, I was talking to Sergio. I sent him an email, and I said, listen, there's some uh, notice of uh, uh, things going on in Israel on my Code Red uh, app on my thing. And he says, oh, I was wondering why the F-16s were taking off from just outside of where he lives. And he was hearing them. Well, now he knows, right? So um, uh, let's see here. They bombed this thing, and uh, a military site with chemical weapons and precision bombs were said to be produced. Now there are reports that Iran is planning to build a military airfield near Damascus. This is not going to be allowed by Israel, where the IRGC could build up their presence and operate, and that Iran and the Assad regime are negotiating over giving Iran its own naval pier in the port of Tartus, something I brought up about uh, four months ago, three months ago, and that Iran may actually deploy a division of soldiers in Syria. I'm telling you what, it is really, really dicey out there right now. Iran is the key to all of it. And surprisingly, Hal Enzi said that years and years and years ago when they were just this little pipsqueak out there making noises. He said, watch Iran. And he was absolutely right. And look at what's happening in the world today. But Russia is the one that is playing all of these cards and they're, they're balancing out the power for their own good, but not for Israel's. From Haaretz, Netanyahu tells Russian defense chief... Israel won't allow Iranian foothold in Syria. Again, from Haaretz, with unprecedented chaos in Washington, Israel sets new red lines over Iran in Syria. We've got our own troubles because of all of the attacks against Trump, and Israel says we're setting the red lines now. If they set a red line, they will stick to it. From Jerusalem Post, Saudi view of Trump's new Iran approach identical to Israel's. On Saturday, King Salman telephoned Trump to voice support for his firm strategy against Iranian aggression and its support for terrorism in the region, the Saudi press agency reported. They are hip and hip with Israel right now, something that nobody would have ever, ever expected in the past. Saudi and Israel are in complete agreement. Why? Because Iran is the problem. All right, from uh, Mail Online. Something happened last week. It was catastrophic in Austria. You remember that Shark Boy had to take off his uh, his uh, hat because he was in a mall. And uh, with the burqa ban, you can't have even a mascot. Guess what? This week, Mail Online, a Bugs Banny. This is called Bugs Banny. Austrian Parliament's rabbit. They have their own mascot in the Austrian Parliament. Yes, the mascot is quizzed by police after falling foul of the country's burqa ban. 
the actual mascot of the Australian Parliament. Lesko, a giant blue bunny, was outside of Parliament filming a promo video. Police stopped and demand the man in the costume take off the mask. So there you go. They can't say that the burqa ban is being one-sided against Islam because even the Austrian parliament guy has to take off his Bugs Bunny hat. Wow. Okay, Mongolia today. From Belarus News. Korean researchers find a 2,000-year-old mummy in Mongolia. Wow. A team of uh, South Korean archaeologists found the mummy of a man wearing Chinese clothes in an unearthed tomb believed to date back 2,000 years. The team discovered the mummy of a man about 70 centimeters tall at the tomb in the Shivaet Karihan remains of Mongolia's Altai Mountains. The team discovered two stone tombs dating from the 3rd to the 5th century BC built by nomads in Mongolia and Russia, as well as three other smaller ancient tombs built around 2,000 years ago. The mummy, found in one of the three ancient tombs, was wrapped in a Chinese-style robe with the lower part of the clothes missing and lying in an upright position. The robe was made in a left-over right fashion, I guess that's this way, called yoren in Chinese. This fashion originated in early ancient China. The right-over-left fashion, called zoren, was used by people north of China. So they know this was a Chinese 2,000 years ago dwelling in Mongolia. Cool stuff. Daniel 12 technology today. The apocalypse ring, ring on your hand, that can warn its wearer of explosive and biological attacks. Yes, the uh, ring contains an electrochemical sensor cap and a small circuit board. It can detect chemical and biological threats, send data to smartphone or laptop. The researchers say it can provide rapid alerts of possible security threats. This could include explosive material or nerve agents in vapor or liquid form. The downside is that lethal exposure already exists when the ring sends the alert. (laughs) I put in that last sentence. It doesn't say that. But obviously, if you're detecting chemical weapons with your ring, you are dead. Okay? So don't buy the ring. New York Times, Allah is found on Viking funeral clothes. Anybody read that article this week? Okay, good. Don't believe it if you do. This is uh, from the Voitenko News Service in rebuttal to that article which was printed. Sergio Voitenko over in Israel. If you see this news, don't believe those researchers. I showed it to Rhoda. His wife uh, speaks Arabic and can read it. It's as far from Allah as Ireland from Mecca. First, you have to disconnect the letters because right now it's incorrectly written. In someone's wildest imagination, it could look like Allah with lots of modifications, but it actually looks more like the letter SH in Russian with the number 6, SH6. And he said that SH6 is Putin's secret lair. I bet Vikings are connected to Putin and were in fact Russian. So there you go. Yeah, if yeah, if you uh, if you see an article like that where they say that Allah is on this writing or that it never is. People want so badly for Allah to be precedent over Christianity in this world that they make stuff up and uh, it's just completely wrong. So don't listen to that kind of stuff. Revelation plagues today. Fox. Devastating California wildfires predicted to cost the U.S. economy 85 
billion dollars. Now add that on top of Harvey, add it on top of Irma, add it on top of what we have to fund in Puerto Rico. We're talking about a bunch of money. Containment may take weeks. Devastating fires charring California have claimed more lives than any fire in the state's history, and the economic toll is predicted to climb to $85 billion. We estimate the California wildfires will profoundly affect the economy of California, which I don't know how that's even functioning anymore with the liberals out there, but Anyway, it's going to be one more knife in the side. WSB-TV, puppies infect dozens of people with antibiotic-resistant bacteria, the CDC says. Puppies. you got to be careful nowadays. The CDC has linked a multi-state outbreak of human campylobacter to puppies sold at Petland. The bacteria is generally treatable with antibiotics, but this case is different. Clinical samples from people and puppies sickened in this outbreak appear to be resistant to first-line antibiotics. People infected with the illness range in age from 1 to 86. So far, 13 people have been hospitalized, but luckily no one has died, probably due to love kisses provided by the canine offenders. Okay, I added that in too. Anyway, yeah, if, if you are sick from a puppy, just let him lick your face and he'll cheer you up, okay? So anyway, uh, Tampa Bay Times... Really sad news. I've been talking about it a couple times, and uh, it looks like we have real trouble here in Florida. Florida orange crop expected to be the lowest in 75 years. Now think, 75 years ago, there was almost nothing in Florida except orange groves. Literally, 75. We moved on to Siesta Key. It'll be uh, in another month and a half. We will have lived on Siesta Key for 70 years. And I can tell you, when Grandpa moved out there, there were 200 people on that island. 200, okay? There was one bridge. Grandpa, when he went to the hospital, had to drive all the way out North Bridge and went to the hospital, and then Grandma would go visit him sometimes, and she would get in her car, and she would drive, and she would not pass one person all the way on Siesta Key, and then she'd go all the way to the hospital and never pass a single person. And now you have, what, 20,000 people all year long on Siesta Key, and there's 30-some thousand during the, uh, and this is just one little part of a state that has blossomed. So 75 years has been. Here's what it says. Um, this was supposed to be the year Florida citrus industry rebounded. After a decade of fighting a losing battle against tree-killing disease and declining yields, growers throughout this year's abundant crop promised a turnaround. Then just weeks before harvest, Hurricane Irma hit. Early estimates suggest that this crop will be the lowest yield since 1942. Wow, we are in real trouble. And the uh, Florida citrus industry may be done. There may be some small people, but we used to have, I think they said, 16 or 18 packaging plants, um, you know, juicing plants in Florida, and we're down to two. I, things are just things are just not well, and uh, we still can get orange juice from Brazil, but Florida is really struggling. From Morality Today, from the Gateway Pundit, uh, a lot of you may have seen this. If you haven't, it is so disturbing. You know how our previous president and his wife got so down on our current president for their immorality, right, and their, their bad behavior? Satanic-looking drag queen with horns reads to little kids at Michelle Obama Public Library in Long Beach. The MOPL uh, hosted a satanic-looking drag queen who read books to young children as part of the library's celebration of LGBTQ History Month. 
So they're saying how immoral our president is because he's a guy and he said a couple things that guys say, even though he shouldn't have said it. You know, I mean, guys say these things and turn around and they have this kind of trash coming out of their public library. It goes on uh, the photo of a man dressed as a female demon with giant horns on his head reading to little children at a public library was posted to Twitter and Facebook by the Long Beach Library but taken down after a huge outpouring of critical replies. It also got approval of the Church of Satan. Yeah. From the uh, Daily Caller, Planned Parenthood at 101 years, 7 million abortions and counting. Planned Parenthood celebrated its 101st birthday, marking the century-long operation of what started as a small birth control clinic in Brooklyn and is now an abortion giant operating in every U.S. state. While Planned Parenthood uh, aborted more than 300,000 babies last year, they handed out only 2,889 adoption referrals, roughly one referral for every 114 abortions. The abortion giant attempts to make light of these numbers by insisting that abortions only make up 3% of its offers because it counts an abortion as one service. A woman who goes to Planned Parenthood to receive an abortion also receives a pregnancy test, contraception kit, and a pap smear. By Planned Parenthood's math, aborting the baby is only one quarter of a woman's visit. So that's how they get away with the numbers that they're doing. Our president has promised to get rid of this organization, at least stop funding it from the U.S. If I were him, what I would do is I would veto every single bill that comes across my desk and let the Congress override it, but I would veto every bill until they take this nonsense out of there. Every one of them. That's his choice, but he's going to work to have this completed and we need to have it done. From the Independent, Trump admin officially defines life beginning at conception. Thank you, President Trump. New language was inserted into the Department of Homeland Security 2018 through 2022 strategic plan. It says that its mission was serving and protecting Americans at every stage of life beginning at conception. The change is accompanied by a section on designing options responsive to consumer demands while removing barriers for faith-based and other providers all put in by our previous president. He has removed them. This is a reflection of the Trump admin stance on birth control and abortion access in the United States, both through employers and in the open marketplace. Thank you, President. From our other category today, from Gears of Business, Climate Change Clams. Yes, clams. Baltic Sea mollusks release as much greenhouse gas as 20,000 dairy cows. Now imagine the dilemma of these people. Imagine the dilemma. Yes, this is true. Scientists from Cardiff University and Stockholm University have shown that these ocean creatures are releasing huge amounts of the strongest greenhouse gases from the bacteria in their guts. Did you know clams have guts? Well, they do. The methane gas gets released into the water and makes its way into the atmosphere, contributing to global warming. Oh, no. The analysis showed that 10% of total methane emissions from the Baltic Sea could come from clams and worms. We got to end this right now. We got to start eating more clams and worms. Clam up. Thank you. This is equivalent to the methane emitted by 20,000 dairy cows. The identification of this neglected greenhouse gas source could have an impact on environmental policymakers. For example, 
It has been suggested that farming mussels, oysters, and clams could be an effective solution against human pressures on the environment, such as eutrophication. The researchers say that the potential warming impacts should be considered before deciding whether to promote shellfish farming in large tracts of ocean. What is puzzling is that the Baltic Sea makes up about only 0.1% of the Earth's oceans, implying that globally... Apparently, harmless bivalve animals at the bottom of the world's oceans may, in fact, be contributing ridiculous amounts of greenhouse gases to the atmosphere that is unaccounted for. The results showed that sediments containing clams and worms increased methane production by a factor of eight compared to completely bare sediments. So we have got to eradicate all clams, all oysters, all shellfish immediately. Barbecue at my house tonight. (laughs) CNBC. China will compel Saudi Arabia to trade oil in yuan, and that's going to affect the U.S. dollar. This is a prediction. It's not out yet, but it's a good article. Carl Weinberg, chief economist and managing director at High Frequency Economics, said Beijing stands to become the most dominant global player in oil demand since China usurped the U.S. as the biggest oil importer on the planet. If this happens, the U.S. dollar will collapse because our dollar is what keeps the oil. All oil on earth is traded in U.S. dollars. They're working to do away with this in one little country after another. And if China pushes this, the dollar will collapse. Okay, so it goes on. I believe the yuan pricing of oil is coming as soon as the Saudis move to accept it, as the Chinese will compel them to do. Then the rest of the oil market will move along with them. In recent years, several nations opposed to the dollar being the world's reserve currency have progressively sought to try to abandon it. For instance, Russia and China have sought to operate in non-dollar environment uh, when trading oil. Both countries have also increased their efforts to mine and acquire physical gold if, or perhaps when, the dollar collapses. OPEC kingpin Saudi Arabia is at the crux of the petrodollar. So keep that in mind. He's predicting it's going to happen, and I think it's probably a good prediction. From Zero Hedge, just the title, Sears Canada liquidates. 12,000 Canadians to lose their jobs. Sears is all but done. Okay, CBS Baltimore. You know, when we were kids, if you wanted an appliance, where did you go? You went to Sears, right? I went there about, uh, I don't know, six years ago or something. I bought a refrigerator, and after the first 11 months, because it has only a 12-year warranty, the freezer went out, the, the, the thing in the freezer. the cool. And so the guy came out, and he did fix it. They have it just like batteries nowadays. They have them planned to go bad like one month within the uh, expiration date so that you lose out and you have to go buy another battery. Well, I bought a uh, deep freeze cooler also for Hitiko's mangoes, and the same thing happened, but it happened at the 11-month point. They didn't plan it very well, so they came and fixed that. But my friend got so mad at me. He said, why would anybody go to Sears to buy anything anymore? And I said, "What are you talk- where else are you going to buy appliances? He says, well, you can get them at Home Depot. You can get them at Best Buy. I had no idea. Sears is the only place I've ever bought anything, so stupid me. It's like, you know, I still have to get my cell phone, and uh, maybe I'll get, yeah. Yeah, that'll never happen. Anyway, so uh, Sears is all but done. Let's go on. CBS Baltimore. Baltimore murder count at 278. More than New York and more 
per capita than Chicago. Now, Chicago is raining and murders, but Baltimore has a higher per capita, something I didn't know. Baltimore is on pace for its deadliest year per capita. And 2017 could also be close to Baltimore's record homicide total of 353. I mean, they only have to kill a few more people and they're going to be up there. Baltimore has more homicides per capita than Chicago. It also has more homicides total than New York City so far this year. Wow. I've got a whole bunch of stuff. I may just do like I did the California update last week. I may do a Baltimore update one these days soon. I should have saved that for it, but they are, that is one city that is just going down. Isn't it? You guys are up there. You know how bad it is, and he's up there almost every week. So, wow. Unbelievable. From Zero Hedge. Soda tax fizzles in Chicago, duh, as Cook County officials cast a divisive 15 to 1 repeal vote. Everybody, it, it, it has failed every single place that they have put in a soda tax. It has failed. And new cities like, what was it, Seattle, a couple weeks ago, we're going to have a soda tax. It's going to work this time. It never works. Here's what it says. The 15 to 1 vote followed an outcry from local residents and small business retailers who say the soda sales crashed 90% after the original ban was passed. 90%. And this has happened everywhere they've passed it, and they keep, these liberals keep trying the same stupid thing. Wow. From the Washington Times, Trump has altered over 800 Obama-era regulations, Wilbur Ross says. Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross says that President Trump is systematically removing hundreds of regulations put in place by the Obama admin. The president has already knocked out some 860 rules and regulations, and every day we're finding more and more to do. When asked what types of regulations Mr. Trump was removing, whether oil and gas, environmental or banking, the secretary responded, all of the above. Good job. Good job. Okay, got a less Rick for you this week. Let's see here. If you want a puppy to love, be sure to clean up with a glove. You just might get sick when it gives you a lick. Instead, get the dove from above. Good job. Good job. All right. Let's see here. We've got, oh, I want to remind you before I give you uh, our irony of the week that Sergio and Rhoda's video will be linked at the end of the Prophecy Update. Now, I don't look at numbers on the Prophecy Update, and I don't look at the numbers on the video, and I don't look at the numbers on the sermons. I try to never look at these things. But I will speculate that the number of people that watch the Prophecy Update and the number that watch his uh, link that I put for you is very small. That's just the way people are. They want to get sensational stuff, and then they don't want to go into anything else. I will tell you that somebody emailed me this week, and she said, I have not been watching Sergio's videos, and you mentioned them, and I decided to watch one. And she said, I binge-watched Every single one of them. They are that good. They are that good. And so please watch these videos. We watch them before we open every week, and people are totally excited. Today's is about uh, olives, and he's going to make uh, uh, how to you know, uh, process olives, etc. It's very interesting. He's going to make some theological points about that next week. So stay tuned. It is marvelous. He does a really good job with these videos. Rhoda is an outstanding actress, and uh, so please watch these videos. <laughs> And uh, one more thing on that line. Happy birthday once again to Sergio Wojtenko in Israel and my friend in Great Yarmouth, England. All right. And then uh, let's see here. Mail Online, our irony of the week. Animal rights activist is gored 
by the same bull he was trying to protect after storming a bullfighting ring in France. Says, I'm going to protect this thing, and they gored him. Yes, yes. So there you go. So such is the world we live in, and from Sirsa to Florida to Ulan, Bitar, Mongolia, and Nazareth, Israel, and Great Yarmouth, England, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.